What up, everybody? My name is Tony, and welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'll give a loose intro for Mariana. She had to jump real quick, but she will be joining us in about five minutes. Now, it's no secret, the fitness industry, the one that we're in right now, it sucks. Whether it's the corrupt multi-billion dollar supplement and weight loss industry, which you will get to know a lot better today at the end of this conversation, or the endless supply of influencers promoting literally anything to drive page views and a little extra cash from affiliate links. The bottom line is we're not just trying to provide another fitness podcast. We're trying to completely change the fitness industry for the better by providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own life, where today we sit down and have a conversation with our good friend, Mike Matthews. That name should and maybe sounds familiar. The author of the New York Times bestselling books, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, and several others in The Shredded Chef, The Little Black Book of Motivation and Muscle for Life. Also, the owner and CEO of the number one natural supplement brand in the world, Legion Athletics. You might have heard that one before. We've been partnered with them since the beginning of this show and have used the products a lot longer than that. But more specifically today, we got to sit down and talk to Mike. Now, I've had a handful of conversations with him. I got to be a guest on his show, Muscle for Life, a few weeks back. And every time it leads down this rabbit hole where we get to talk about all of the just messed up stuff that companies get away with in this industry. And we thought it'd be a great idea to bring him on the show so he could highlight that and really tell you how the sausage is made. His quote, not mine, even though I'm Italian, and I like it. Now, specifically around the 40 minute mark is when we start to get in deeper and pull the curtain back onto some gnarly things that has been able to happen in this supplement industry with how loosely regulated it is from amino spiking protein powders to preserve cost margins, which effectively do nothing to the consumer or all the way to even, <clears throat> or all the way even to slipping Prozac into a fat burning supplement without hopes of getting caught. And obviously that one's not on the label. Now, before we jump in, I always want to take a brief moment to really say thank you guys to everyone who's written a five-star review or just given us one over on Spotify. Seriously, it's a small production we have going on. Mariana, myself, and our freaking rock star of an editor, Reagan, it's us three, and we don't have the finance or massive production that some of these larger shows come with. So these five-star reviews are truly how we reach so many more people and help educate as many people as we can. So thank you guys so much for those who have taken the time, even during this intro, to pop on over to Spotify or Apple and just drop a five-star review. It seriously helps more than I can really communicate here. Before we start the show, honestly, I don't think I have to put a word in for our sponsor, Legion Athletics, because I think you're going to get a pretty good gist of how they operate as a company in this conversation. Their ethics, their morals, why they put things in order the way they do, and why they choose to stay the specific route to make less money. But provide higher quality products. Not only that, but I would really press you guys today to look at the books. It's less than 10 bucks, even 20% off with our code FSPOD at checkout. So what, $10, $10 book turns into an $8 book. In Bigger, Leaner, Stronger or Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, if you have not already, that book, I can say, honestly changed my life and is actually the book that got me to quit my previous corporate job and start Bloom Training, my own business, about four years 
ago. And that is not an exaggeration. Only shout out before we get started with Mike is as always, if you like the research aspect that we bring to each episode, make sure you join us over on the premium membership in the Fitness Stuff Research Review, where weekly, every single Friday, we dive deeper into specific studies addressing the individual nuances, showing you how to break down research and apply each aspect into your own specific lifestyle. And our New Year's deal did so well that we're just going to keep it going where the first month is five bucks to try it off. It's 50% off for your first month. So you get access to our private feed, our weekly research review, our monthly Ask Me Anything episodes, and our partnerships with companies like Merrick Health for blood work examine, plus things that we don't collect any money from these companies, but we just wanted to offer the largest discount we could to our members. So you can check that down in the show notes below, or you could go over to fitnessstuff.supercast.com. If you want to check out the books from Legion Athletics or any of their supplements that might sound appetizing to... <clears throat> That might sound like they'll fit your lifestyle more today. We will also leave those notes in the show notes below, or you could use code FSPOD. That's FSPOD at checkout for 20% off your first order or double points after that. Without further ado, let's jump into it because I'm out of breath. Here's our conversation with Mike Matthews. I know we've brought you up quite a few times on our podcast, just talking about either your books, your company, but why don't you give us a little cliff notes for the people who might not know you as well as we do. I got into the fitness industry, the fitness racket back in 2012. And I published a book. I started with publishing a book, which was bigger, leaner, stronger. And that book was really just the book that I wished that somebody would have just given me when I was like 17, getting into weightlifting and would have just said, Hey, mostly like all you really need to know to achieve your goals, like the way you want to look and what you want to do with weightlifting and strength training most of the stuff that you could go learn is not necessary. It's here's the 20% that gives you the 80%. And, you mm -hmm. know, it would have just saved me time and frustration. And that's how I started. And the reason why I started with that was it was something I was interested in. I had a bit of a personal transformation to show. I had a good before and after. I had learned enough and I had worked with enough people one-on-one -on -one and seen it replicated to know that I had something that was worth sharing. And so a friend of mine, I was working out with at the time, he was like, dude, you should just take your shirt off and go on YouTube and just sell things. <laughs> Not a bad idea. That is one way of becoming a fitness influencer, I guess you could say. <laughs> but I wasn't interested in that because it just doesn't really jive with my personality. However, at that time, Amazon's self-publishing platform, which I think they still call KDP, Kindle direct publishing, something like that. It's getting publicity because there was a guy, his name, this is definitely a pen name, but his name was John Locke. He was the first guy, first self-published author to sell a million copies of his books on Amazon. So Amazon used that to create a publicity campaign to promote their self-publishing platform. That's something that was interesting to me because I like books and I've always liked books. When I was like 17, 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do for work. And my dad is an entrepreneur. I didn't have any appreciation at that age of um, building a business and the game of building a business because I didn't have any experience in it, but it didn't seem very interesting to me just in and of itself. Okay. That's still part of my personality. The idea of just like making widgets and selling them for a profit was actually like depressing. Like really, like, <laughs> that's it. That's going to be my life. 
And then for what? Money has utility up to a certain point. And then beyond that, it's just more money. And unless you are addicted to very expensive things, drugs, sex, gambling, whatever, or unless, or addicted to extravagance and attention and narcissism, it, more money doesn't actually mean anything anymore after mm -hmm. a point, just kind of number and you just go, oh, I guess more is better than less, but that's about mm -hmm. it, right? And when I was 17, 18, I was like, okay, well, I like reading. I've always liked reading. I was good in school. I like learning things. Maybe I'll like writing. Maybe that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And initially, actually, my interest was fiction, which is also something I still actually have an interest in. And so I was going down that path. And then I found my way, I'll just fast forward, I found my way into creating employee training programs for different businesses, worked with a lot of healthcare providers, doctors, PTs, oh. dentists. And so that was writing. And it also, mm -hmm. it requires, it required critical thinking, which I liked. It was, some of it was complex. I like dealing with ideas and having to figure things out. So I liked that work. And now we're at that 2011 period, 2012 period. So I'm doing that work. I hear about Amazon's self-publishing platform. I have an interest in fitness. I feel like I have something worth sharing. And that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. That's something that even if it doesn't succeed, I just want to do it because mm. I am just drawn to that, not to taking my shirt off on YouTube. <laughs> and so that's what I did is I wrote a book and it was a very minimum viable product. I think the, that first edition was like 50,000 words and I didn't agonize over trying to get it perfect. I tried to do a good job. Maybe I couldn't say to my absolute best ability at that time, because that requires a lot of drafts and iterations. And I didn't want to put too much time into something without knowing if anybody would even care, mm -hmm. but I got it to what I thought was, um, good enough, given that I was going to start selling it for 99 cents. And so I was thinking like, if I can at least deliver 10 times the value, if I can give somebody a $10 book or something <laughs> that they might pay $10 for 99 cents, then you know, the, at least I have a chance of making some people happy. And so that's how I started. So I published that book, January, 2012, and I had no expectations. It's a coin flip between selling zero copies and not zero copies. <laughs> that was about <laughs> it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, and so if we fast forward to the end of the year, selling several thousand copies a month, and I'm getting a lot of emails. So I put an email address in there, just asking people to email me if they have any questions, if they have any suggestions, just let me know. And so I was hearing from more and more people every day who are really liking the book and who are asking good questions and making good suggestions. So I was keeping notes of, I could update this book because it's self-published and it was an ebook and eventually an audiobook and a hard copy came. I don't remember exactly when, but because it's all self-published, it's easy to just update you can do it mm -hmm. as much as you want. It, it's a pain in the ass, yeah. but you can do it. And that's how it started. Because you were a personal trainer before that, correct? That was where you were, or did you just spend a lot of time not, in the gym? Not, not professionally. I, I never charged money. And how it came ah. about was, so I, again, I had this personal transformation. I had educated myself, which happy to talk a little bit about that if you want. But Again, so I was like, all right, I have a good understanding now of energy balance and macronutrient balance, mm -hmm. and I have a good understanding of progressive overload and some of these things that I didn't know about previously. And I felt like I had a bit of a system here. And then so inevitably friends, family, people just in my orbit, they saw my transformation because it was pretty dramatic or I went from like fit, but maybe 17, 18% body fat to fit and like 
seven percent body fat or eight so people yeah. are like what did you do you know what i mean yeah. so i would just recruit people and say hey i go to the gym monday through friday i go over here why don't you meet me and then i'll start showing you what i'm doing let's start working out together i had a little group of people at all times and then i would educate them about diet and then i would see it working in 20 year old friends as well as 55 year old friends of my parents and so that was partly what motivated me to write a book. I should share this because it's not very complicated. It doesn't require nearly as much pain and suffering as many people think it does. And again, <clears throat> I'm interested in writing. Originally, actually my, my intention was to write in a variety of genres and I've done that. I have a book on the Bill of Rights and that was my number one best-selling book. I probably sold like 80,000 copies of that book in one year. <laughs> That's called the Know Your Bill of Rights book. My original intention was to write in different genres and separate those, the fitness stuff will enter my name and then have probably a, one or two other pen names just for marketing purposes. It, it looks pretty weird if you have a dude writing about fitness and bill of rights and fiction. <laughs> what was the next step into starting Legion? Because there was a few years after Bigger, Leaner, Stronger had come out until that was the next progression. So I'm really curious to see what led to that. Was it the success yeah, of Bigger, yeah. Leaner, Stronger? Or what kind of got your interest peaked over there? How that went is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger comes out. It starts selling well. It continues to sell well. It sells even better and better. For the first several years, it was, it was grow. Those sales were growing. I'd have to look to remember exactly. I want to say 30 to 50% year over year. That turns into a steep curve when you look at it over several years. And then I had a lot of women reading the book and they were reaching out saying, Hey, bigger, like, now I don't really want to be bigger, but, mm -hmm. but leaner and stronger is cool. And a lot of this stuff <laughs> seems like it's gender neutral, even though all the examples are men. That's why I wrote thinner, leaner, stronger. And what I did is I took bigger, leaner, stronger and made it uh, as female specific as possible. Of course, all the different, all the examples were now women, all the meal plans were women. The training was a little bit different to reflect mm -hmm. Uh, female priorities, which tend to be a little bit different than male priorities in terms of physique. And then there was some male specific stuff in Bigger, Leaner, Stronger that went out. Some female specific stuff went in, iterated on both of those books. I actually have new fourth editions of both of them coming out this year to just oh, continue cool. to improve upon them and make them as effective for the target reader as possible. And then I did a cookbook along the way. It's nice to have fitness friendly recipes that taste mm -hmm. good. So I'm doing these books and let's say we're into 2013 probably is the timeline, maybe in the middle of later of the year. And so I had a website muscleforlife.com, which I launched in 2013 as well. And that was just a glorified blog is all it really was. But at the time it was easier to rank in Google for health and fitness things much easier than it is now. Now it's very difficult. And especially after several Google updates, like there was the medic update that I think that one particularly targeted the health and fitness space. There are quite a few content producers who lost a lot of traffic. There was a trio of updates. I believe medic was one of them. I know just from being in the industry and talking to people that some people, one person in particular, so he had a website that was getting about 10 million visits a month. And after that trio of updates, he lost like over 90% of that traffic just oh, like wow. that. And to be fair, was not good content. <laughs> there were a lot of people who actually w were producing good content who got heavily penalized by those updates. Mm -hmm. And now again, it's much harder 
to get any front page visibility on Google for anything related to health and fitness than it has ever been. However, if we rewind to 2013, that was not the case. Mm -hmm. So all I did at that time is follow a very simple SEO strategy. You do your basic keyword research and you look at competition and write good long form content. Early on, something that many people were not doing was linking studies, not just sometimes referencing, sometimes you would see like footnotes, but mm -hmm. uh, from a user experience, I always preferred linking to the relevant study, linking the words that like constitute maybe the predicate of yeah. the claim. Later, I learned that Google liked linking out to authoritative sources like PubMed. They recognize that. So by the end of, by the end of 2013, that website, Muscle for Life, I'm writing two or three long form piece, pieces per week. I'm doing some basic email marketing, collecting email addresses, uh, staying in touch with a newsletter. Mm -hmm. I think we were, we got up to 700,000 visits a month from Google in under a year, which is not bad. And it was actually just me at that time. I'd recruited a friend to work with me on some of this stuff, but that relied on me just writing and doing the keyword research and whatever wow. I was doing other things. I had a recommendation section on that website. And in, in that section, I shared stuff I liked. A lot of it was fitness stuff because I would get asked. People would want to know, I mean, everything, like what straps am I using? What <laughs> shorts am I wearing? What shoes am I wearing? I would put that stuff in there and have a brief little blurb and I didn't have any partnerships with any companies. I wasn't getting paid to promote him. This was the stuff I actually liked and used. Mm -hmm. And so supplements was one of the sections. And at that time I wasn't taking many supplements and people would ask all the time. And I wasn't taking many because I couldn't find many that I really wanted to take. I was using a protein powder just because it's convenient. I was using Optum Nutrition's naturally flavored and sweetened way. Sometimes I would use their pre-workout and sometimes I would just take a caffeine pill because the ingredients, like even the one I remember it had some citrulline, it had some beta alanine. It, I think it had some BTE and it had a few of the ingredients that are in pulse, but it mm. had like one half to one third of the doses. And mm. so I was like, you know, I don't know how much, this is pretty underdosed. It's probably a waste of money. So mm -hmm. some days I would just take caffeine pills. Sometimes I would just use nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so same thing with a multivitamin. I think I had settled on a garden of life or a source naturals product. And again, there are more good options now than there was back then. It was an okay formulation. I would say objectively mine is a lot better, but I also spend more money on it. So given the budget of what they were spending on the product, I thought that, all right, they've done a pretty good job with this. I think it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. It has a couple of goodies that even like lower tier multivitamins don't have. And so I had these recommendations up on the website and I was very lukewarm in my endorsements of them. I was basically like, okay, here's the protein I use. It doesn't taste good. So like at all, it's actually gross. So if you really care about taste, I don't recommend this. Uh -huh. I, I like that it's naturally sweetened and flavored. I've never been an alarmist about artificial sweeteners or flavors, definitely not flavors or food dyes, but, and I think more and more evidence now is supporting this. I was saying then that there is preliminary evidence there was at the time that having a lot of, particularly the food dyes and the sweeteners, like having eight to 10 plus servings of these things per day, like forever is probably not great for your health. Having some here and there, small amounts, no reason to be concerned. But again, like being a fitness person, if you're taking a pre-workout and a post-workout, maybe an intra-workout, maybe BCAs, mm -hmm. you start adding all of that up. It's a lot, right? And so that's why I was just saying, personally, I'm just going to quote unquote, play it safe and just don't care enough about taste to want to have to switch to all this artificial yeah. stuff. 
And I might be wrong. Maybe it doesn't matter, but that's why I'm doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And same thing. Okay. Here's the pre-workout. It's not very good. It's the best I could find. I love that transparency. (laughs) It's maybe better than a caffeine pill, but like literally some days I just take a caffeine pill. You know what I mean? So even with those types of recommendations, Mm -hmm. I was still selling a lot of supplements. And the reason I knew that is I was linking out to Amazon. So I was saying, here's what I use. Here's a link to Amazon. Here's my little take on it. And I was participating in Amazon's affiliate program, Mm -hmm. not because it ever made that much money, but only because I wanted to know if people actually bought things based on my recommendations or just based on what I was using. And I wasn't really trying to sell them. I was just putting it out there and my pitches were not very good. And I saw just through Amazon's reports that a lot of people were buying the things that I was recommending. I just saw that there could be something here. Then it got me thinking, what if I made stuff that I really liked and I would have to make it because if Legion would have already existed, I probably would have went to them and just Mm. said, Hey, what I really like to do is create content, write books. I write these articles over, I have this website, I have this growing email list. I like to do that stuff. I'm not like too keen on having a business just for the sake of calling myself an entrepreneur or something, mm-hmm. but we should make a deal. And I really like your stuff and I want to promote it. That's how I got the idea for Legion is okay. If I make stuff I like, and then I actually can get behind it. And I'd say my salesmanship and my marketing skills have improved over time. But at that time I had enough confidence in myself and those abilities that I could sell things effectively if I can believe in them. And if I have an actual reason for people to, to want them, that's how the idea came about. And that was 2013 when I started to work on that. And then Legion started in 2014 and it was just a few products. It was a whey protein. It was a creatine product and it was a pre-workout and the pre-workout in particular really gained traction quickly because now you have you have a lot of better pre-workouts than then. There were really no dosed pre-workouts with several effective ingredients. Yeah. A lot of that came down to just spending money. That initial pre-workout, that pulse, it cost, I think it was, I was paying over $20 a bottle just to get it made. Oh, and wow. I would think I was selling it for like 40, which is garbage margins. And I had to learn things about like business finances and margins and how it all works. <laughs> but I was able to offer something so much better at the same price as it made very little profit, but got a lot of attention. And people were like, whoa, this is, they felt the difference. <sighs> this was the first pre-workout to have caffeine and theanine, for example. And I first experienced the caffeine theanine combination it was like euphoric. It felt like, like, is this what drugs feel like? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, of course it's caffeine is a drug, but it's not the same. So anyway, that's how Legion came about. No, that's actually a really cool. It's always interesting to look back. Okay. If a company like that already existed, where would you be? I don't think I would have done it. In some ways I'm happy that it went the way it did. And that would be my preferred this path. However, the upside to the other path is I did learn that part of me that is not enthusiastic about business is a part of, it's just a part of my personality. I learned that there's a lot to make a business go. It requires doing a lot of work that you don't really want to do. That's just Mm -hmm. the way it is. Even for people who love business, especially in the beginning, when you don't have money to just delegate all the stuff you don't like to do, you have to do it all yourself. Right. Yeah. And so I've learned that even now where, again, I have a lot of great people and they're, I've been able to delegate 
most of all of the stuff that I really don't like to do. Again, the game of business to me is still not as interesting as like writing the next book. That's just who I am. I don't know. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm happy it went the way that it went. It has been fun to kind of mold Legion into what I hope to supplement company. Like here's the kind of ideal supplement company in my mind. And it's had a great impact on a lot of people. And that probably wouldn't have been possible if I would have just stuck with like writing books and writing articles. You can reach a lot of people that way, but Legion has been able to reach a lot more people, even because of the sheer economics of it. We'll do probably 42 to 44 million in sales this year, which means we get to spend a certain amount on advertising. We get to reach a lot of people. Mm. And as you two know, a big part of the Legion brand is education. And in some ways yeah. we use supplements to lure people in. They're going online going, all right, all right, I'm sick of this belly. I need a fat loss supplement. Mm -hmm. And I hope they find their way to us because we're going to get them with, yes, there are some supplements that, that can help with fat loss. It's not necessary. It's not a miracle pill, but what you really need to know about is energy mm. balance and macronutrient balance. And so if I can get people who are just looking for the pre-workout because they just want to get jacked for a workout, but then get them to start learning about proper exercise, proper training, that is more the point. In addition to selling science-based products that have good evidence of efficacy and that are sold honestly and so on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so before we jump into some real deeper questions that I want to get to really just pick your mind on from being in the industry, it seems like you've had a pretty clear, like decision-making guide through your life, which I think is something that I know our followers talk back and listeners give us the most feedback on is when they discover your blog and the books. And it's like, holy crap, this is really an educational company that sells supplements. It's not a supplement company, yeah. which I think is very clear once you start to look at it. And I think that's why people appreciate it. And maybe that's where the success comes from, but you have a very clear North star for you. And if the pieces don't exist for, to help to really get you there, you just create them. And that's what it seems like Legion was. So have you based your decision-making on any one or two things? If you have any guiding questions and has that changed since you've started to today on how you make your decisions? Is it like one piece at a time? What do you base your decision-making on? Yeah. In the case of everything that I've laid out for you. There was no master plan in the beginning. Definitely not. It was, let's write a book and see if anybody cares. And then each of the incremental steps were just that this is doing well. What else could I do? What else could make sense here? That led to the next book. And then that led to muscle for life. The website was okay. I like learning about this stuff. I like writing about it. I like teaching it to other people. What else can I do? That's one of the reasons why I haven't pursued YouTube seriously. And I don't know if I ever will. I like what Jeff Nippard does. If I were to do something, mm. it would be in that direction, but he does such a good job and it doesn't excite me. I'd rather work on these other things. Right. And something to directly answer your question. I think I did subconsciously for some time and then now do it consciously is get clarity on what's the goal here and what's the actual goal making money. That's an easy substitute for a goal because yeah. generally speaking, yes, more money is better. If nothing else, it just means you can weather more storms. You have more potential options. Freedom prestige is another one that is easy to glom onto. If you don't really think about it, more money, more status. And this is something I'm more aware of now, but at least I was thinking about it early on. 
it's like working out. If you have a good workout program, you should enjoy most of your workouts. You should look forward mm-hmm. to most workouts. Not all of them. Some of them suck. It's fine. But most of them you should look forward to and you should enjoy. And I think work should be the same way. We spend most of our time working, which I think is a good thing if we're working on things that matter to us. And so for me, again, money, status, it just doesn't, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not human, but that doesn't excite me. I can't wake up in the morning like, oh, I'm going to get more money today. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is my actual goal here? You mentioned it with Legion. It was not to get rich. Did I want to get rich? Sure. Again, because to me, mm-hmm. rich means just free to do what you want to do with your time. But beyond that, it doesn't mean much to me because yeah. you give me unlimited money. I'm not going to drive a Lamborghini. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm not going to go up to the gym and figure out ways to make them know that I'm rich. I'm just not yeah. that person, really. My actual goal was to just help people with what I knew and things I was learning and see other people get similar results to what I was getting. It's not just losing some fat and building muscle. In many cases, people's lives change. It changes many things for the better. So it's this thought process of what's my actual goal and make sure that I've got something that excites me and that means something. Now that I've worked with a lot of people, some people tend to work almost like in a narrative type. If you're going to tell a story, how might this happen? Mm -hmm. And there needs to be cause and effect in this story. We don't have magic wands, right? So how might I go about achieving this goal? Okay. Now, how can I test that theory, that hypothesis, that narrative as inexpensively as possible, meaning with as little money and time and effort as possible, only because chances are our first ideas are not going to work quite as well as we hoped, and we're going to have to iterate. So we don't want to put too many of our resources into that first thing. How do I test this and start getting feedback? And then what changes do I need to make based on the feedback that I'm getting? And that could be changes to the goal. I just find that so interesting because there's so many parallels there between your process and when it comes to decision-making in business, entrepreneurship, what you're going to do for your company. And then when you think about weight loss, people trying to lose weight, trying to improve their health. Yep. Nowadays, it's like you try to do a million and one things at once. You're promised that multiple things are going to happen to you, whether you are going to have improved concentration, improved skin health, you're going to lose weight, you're going to have a six pack, or you're going to have all the above. But you just have to do this list of 20 things all at once and people expect an instant reward. Or you're comparing your journey to someone else's and trying to do what someone else is doing and you're not really taking a step back to kind of think about, wait, why am I here? Why am I doing this? That's my actual actually... goal. Is, yeah. it just weight, <laughs> is it just weight loss? Especially many women. I've heard from so many women over the years. I've put up so many female success stories where the weight is deceptive because in the end, they actually didn't lose much weight. And I remember like distinctly a few that just were really surprising in their before and after where weight was exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but she started, you could say skinny fat and not in shape. And then six, eight, 12 months later of just working at it. Now her body fat level is lower. She's gained muscle in all of the right places. She looks fit, athletic, looks great, but same body weight. So even that goal and many women, because they've just been indoctrinated into just thinking about what they see on the scale have come into that journey 
to segue off of what you were saying with that idea. Okay. My goal is they, it's usually a number, like maybe it was a number mm-hmm. back in college, or there's just a number that they associate with a look. And then they have to learn that that's not the right goal actually. Yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with supplements, right? This is why I support Legion so Same. much. Same. I still, because... I, the industry still just, uh, I can't understand. I feel like, I mean, it's so different now starting a supplement company. So many different companies play into that fact of people having yep. these kind of misconceptions about health, having, not having the complete picture, not being driven by the why. Yep. And we'll use that in their marketing. We'll yep. use that to make money. It's unethical, but that's the easiest way is to sell. Mm-hmm. They're just ignorant. I was once that ignorant person too. I'd walk into GNC and then I would just ask the sales guy, what's the newest, coolest supplement behind the lock and the key in the back? And mm-hmm. and I yeah. get it. And <laughs> even some of these claims are, yeah, they're kind of unbelievable where you're saying, if I take this pill, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in 30 days safely, healthily. And I know this, of course, just having interacted with so many of these people over the years, these are smart people who they just don't know because they're just getting into yeah. it. And they're like, yeah, it's probably bullshit, but it's $50. So who cares? I'll just try mm-hmm. it. And eventually, of course, they level up in terms of sophistication. They become a more sophisticated consumer. And eventually a lot of those people find their way. Uh, a lot of them have found their way to me and to Legion, either straight to Legion or via me and some of my things. And my message resonates a lot with the people who are at that, I'd say, higher level of sophistication rather than the people who are just getting into it. Because again, and I understand they're like, okay, so Mike, he's saying that if I take his supplements, he's saying, I don't even need to take his supplements, but if I do, I can maybe get results a little bit faster. And he also wants me to do stuff with diet and exercise and all this other stuff. And this other guy over here, he's just saying, take his pill 20 pounds down in 30 days. I honestly don't believe it, but I want to believe it. It's $50. I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine like staying true to that, especially with the evolvement of social media. And now you have these people who aren't you, who are willing to take their shirt off and advertise a supplement and sell something and are money driven. Is there anything you do to kind of stay true to those values as a business? You've got a full marketing team. Is there anything that's been helpful for that, like throughout the changes over the years? That's a good question. And the honest answer is I think that's a part of my character. And that sounds like I'm a politician now saying (laughs) I'm not lying, which means they're lying. (laughs) I mentioned earlier, going back to even when I was 17 or 18, wasn't interested in just having a business for the sake of making money, let alone having a business that is bullshit where I'm just (laughs) lying to people to make money. And so for whatever reason, and maybe I could give my parents some credit for that in that I was not raised by very money motivated people. My dad has Mm -hmm. done well for himself. My mom was mostly a mom, but he has actually given most of his net worth away to charities and he's donated millions and millions of dollars because that's what he wanted to do with his money. He has had a good quality of life, but he could have been a lot more extravagant as an individual and waste money on all kinds of things, mm-hmm. but that's just not who he was. I'm not willing to lie, cheat and steal to make money. That isn't to say I haven't made mistakes, but that's, that's just not really my personality. If I were to do that, uh, there'd be like major cognitive dissonance. I've met quite a few 
successful, financially successful people over the years. I've met people who are very unethical and have made their money lying, cheating, and stealing. And I've met people who have made a lot of money very ethically. And again, not to say that they didn't do things that were like not okay in certain states, but on the whole, they went about it in an honest way. I've noticed that a lot of the unethical people, they just have a lot of bad things that have happened to them and that continue to happen to them. And whereas the other group of people, bad things can happen to anybody, good people, but just, they seem to have fewer bad things that generally happen to them. And I think there are very real consequences to being a bad person. I don't think this is intentional, but I feel like the honesty path, it's a long game payoff where I think a lot of the lying, the deception is a very short game win. And I kind of align with you there where I think it just, if you lie, it's like, it might not bite you right now, but I truly believe it does somehow interrupt your future where that's not going to work out well. That's why I want to piggyback off of something you were talking about earlier. And I know you and I had talked about this, I think on your show about the quote, the map is different than the territory, right? The things that you just can't figure out unless you're doing it, right? Or how you say, I'm making the sausage. So I wanted to kind of see like what you're in there. Cause I know that the financial carrot, I guess, would be dangled in front of you a couple of times of where you might be able to cheat or lie or do that to make a pretty big bump. Who's going to notice what kind of stuff have you seen now that you're in the industry previous to when you were just writing and you don't have to gossip or drop names or anything like that, obviously, but what kind of things have you seen others bend their morals for or companies specifically trying to get away with or yeah. try and squeeze something by that, you know, that carrot, I guess was good enough for them. Yeah. Quite a few ways to go about that. Many people might've already heard about this, but we should probably comment on it quickly, which is amino spiking protein powders, which, um, mm -hmm. so here's the problem with protein. Good whey protein isolate is very expensive. So Legion's Way, which comes from Ireland. And that sounds like I'm trying to pitch it. That sounds like a marketing angle, but no, factually it does. And the only reason I say that is when I was sourcing that material, I went to a big protein supplier and I was just asking him, what are the best whey protein isolates in the world? Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think? What are the top, top tier? We have this stuff from New Zealand. We have this stuff from Ireland. We have, I think one material was from the United States and one might've been from Holland or the Netherlands or whichever, I think oh, those are the same territory, whatever, over there. <laughs> and so I tried each of them and the New Zealand, I remember that trying first, it's like, yeah, that's quite good and quite a bit better than I was comparing it to Optum Nutrition's way at the time, because a lot of people mm -hmm. were using that. So I was like, yeah. I want mine to be immediately better than that. I want a person who is going from on to mine to be like, oh shit, that's really good. You know what I mean? And so the New Zealand was good. I thought it was better. And the one from the US also, I'd say about the same, maybe, maybe I think I ranked that below the New Zealand. Mm -hmm. The stuff from the Netherlands was, I'd say probably about the same as the United States. And then I tried this Irish sourced way and that was the wow. I was like, what? Like this is, this has no carbs, no fat, but it's creamy and it's delicious and mm -hmm. it, just tastes better. Even as a, as an unflavored, just powder, I chose that early on and I've stuck with it. We get this feedback all the time. People saying this is the best way protein I've ever had artificially sweetened flavor. Doesn't matter. Natural means it tastes worse. And because of COVID and supply chain disruptions, blah, blah, blah. The price of that material skyrocketed. It got so bad that, and I had this conversation with my president of the business just six months ago, 
uh, it was costing us, I think about 30 to $31 to get a bottle to somebody, to get a 2.2 pound bottle to somebody. When you factor in all the costs, somebody comes to our website, they order it. And our price at that time on the website was like 40 to 45, but we offer 20% off first orders just as customer acquisition. And I'm happy to cut heavily into my margins just to get people in, to try my stuff in hopes mm. that they like it and reorder at full price. And so when we looked at the numbers, we were like, oh, we're, we're losing money on a lot of these transactions now. This is that bad, right? Yeah. And so the question is what to do. We stuck with it and now prices, they're still high. They're a lot higher than we would like them to be. We have a lot of customers at this point because the values there and a lot of our longer term customers were aware. And I explained it in an email, what happened that they were aware, like, no, it's true. Actually, Mike, he hasn't raised his prices once. This is the first <laughs> time I've ever seen him raise prices. I understand if prices come down enough, I would like to be able to lower the price of that product and a couple of others if I can, but we'll just have to see where things go just because there needs to be a certain base level of profitability in the world of business. And that's in my target 10 to 12% is a better target for Legion, not 30% though. You see some of these like Amazon sellers and they'll brag, like they sell supplements <laughs> on Amazon, 30, 40% net profit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's cool. If all you care about is making money, but what that means is that product is extremely overpriced or there's like nothing in it and it costs nothing to make. You cannot have outstanding margins and outstanding supplements. You can't, you can choose one. I choose yeah. to make really good supplements with average profit when it's all said and done, because that's the type of business that I want to have. I don't want the other business actually. And so that though is a problem that, that whey protein price. And if we look at the price of whey protein, it has been steadily rising for years now. And so years ago, what some companies did in response to that is they got criminally clever to claim a certain amount of protein per serving on the supplement facts panel. You don't actually have to show that it has that much protein. You have to show that it has the amount of nitrogen that is contained in that amount of protein. And uh. that's the test result that you need to show. That's how the test works. It says, okay, 20 grams of protein, 25 grams of protein contains this amount of nitrogen. This amount of nitrogen is present in this scoop of protein powder. Therefore it passes, right? So if the government were to step in and look into your claims, you could back it up. And so what some people in the supplement industry, the idea they got is instead of having 20 grams of protein per scoop, let's have 10 grams of protein per scoop. And then we're short this amount of nitrogen. Let's get a cheap amino acid that is nitrogen rich and that tastes good. Like glycine, for example, it's sweet, naturally sweet. And let's supplement the supplement with, let's say glycine to bring the nitrogen up to where it needs to be for a lot less money because that remaining 10 grams glycine, it's just not an expensive amino yeah. acid. There were a number of companies that were caught up. People yeah. can search this. They can fact check me. I believe muscle farm was caught up in that scandal as well as other large supplement companies, because there was so much money to be made in it. You're almost cutting your whey protein costs in half. It's not exactly because that glycine costs something but it costs a fraction of whey protein. So that's an example. I don't know of any reason why it's not still happening. I couldn't say that I know exactly who's doing it. I hear some things from manufacturers because there are manufacturers who will refuse to do that, which is good. Mm -hmm. Some manufacturers, they don't care, but like I work with a manufacturer who 
refused to do it for a big supplement company. They were open. They said, this is what we want to do. And the manufacturer said, we're not doing that. You have to go somewhere else for that. So that's just one example. And I can give more if you want me to just keep going. I'm curious, yeah. have those standards changed? Like once that comes out of that issue happening with multiple companies, like do have those standards changed? Are they still just testing for nitrogen? I don't know of any significant change on that front. Now, I know that companies, they've been sued and things, there are consequences for some of these companies, but there are are also a lot of companies that are smaller that are just not really like juicy targets for the government. Yeah. And so they can get away with a lot of things, a lot of other things I can go into. And mm -hmm. that's part of just the wild west nature of the supplement industry. It's unregulated. You don't have to get approval from a government agency to release a supplement, which I don't think that necessarily should be the case because if it were run like the pharmaceutical industry, that would cause other problems. Unfortunately, as a consumer, you're ingesting this stuff. You are placing your health in the hands to some degree of people you don't know and you don't know their motives. And so it's not that people should be afraid of supplements. As a consumer, I think it's worth taking a little bit of time to educate yeah. yourself about how the industry works and to look a little bit into the companies that you are considering purchasing from look for red flags and if you find there are certain red flags like for example if a supplement company sells a fat loss product very aggressively again the 20 pounds or even just gives like you will lose i don't if they say 10 pounds in 30 days if they have very extravagant claims around any sort of i would say body composition at all losing fat building muscle that's enough of a red flag that you should just move on. If they sell a testosterone booster, you should oh. just move on. Or a hormone, it could be GH, any sort of hormone booster. If And often there are some pretty aggressive claims that are made to sell those <laughs> products about the effects that they will have. Whereas like Legion, we sell a product called Vitality that has DHEA and we there's research that shows that in middle-aged people, DHEA can help normalize sex hormones if they are low because of inadequate DHEA production. Okay, that's a reasonable claim. It's made on the website, not in those exact words, but that's the claim. There are mm -hmm. citations to back it up. If anybody disagrees with me or the research, it's right there. If not, this is a testosterone booster and it's gonna turn you into an alpha male and you're going to gain all of this muscle and everyone's going to want to fuck you. Yeah. So it's not that, right? <laughs> Those so that's are my a red favorite flag. Things. Yeah, that's a red flag. Just move on. If they sell BCAAs, that's a red flag. Just move on because BCAAs are absolutely useless if you eat enough protein and you should just be eating enough protein. Same thing goes for EAAs. So any sort of amino acids, like the branch chain or the essential amino acid, if they sell those supplements, what that tells you is they either know what I just said, and they don't care, and they want to make money. That is, by the way, Legion's number one most requested product, BCAA. Number one. We get every day, every day, people <laughs> will email and chat, hey, what about BCAAs? Why don't you sell BCAAs? Again, these are not necessarily stupid people. They just don't know, right? They're just yeah. new yeah. to this. And they hop on social media and they see a lot of these jacked influencers taking their BCAAs. And then they're like, oh, I like Legion, but why does Legion not sell BCAAs? Why, why is that? Mm -hmm. It's such a popular product, right? Coming back to this money point, if I were very money motivated, it would be in my interest to sell BCAAs. But yeah. you could say it's against the brand, but I've seen some people in the fitness industry make some surprising 
brand pivots, I guess you could say, like be staunchly anti-supplement period and say a lot of the things that I'm saying. And then a year later, launch their own supplement line and start selling testosterone boosters, BCAAs, extravagant fat burners, and shamelessly, like not, they didn't, and not even try to take down the previous stuff. Like you can go see them X number of years ago saying exactly what I'm saying. And now today you can buy their testosterone booster. So BCAAs, red flag, EAs, red flag. And because mm -hmm. e that company either knows what I just said and they're like, eh, whatever, money. So do you want to be ingesting things from people who have not even a, done a basic surface level uh, amount of research on what they're mm -hmm. selling you, right? Those are a few examples of red flags. Maybe it sounds a little bit extreme to say, if you see any of those things, you should just move on. But based on my experience in the industry and what I know goes on behind the scenes, it's one of those like where there's smoke, there's fire kind of things. Mm -hmm. A company that is doing any of those things, they are very often doing other things like maybe amino spiking their protein, like slipping small amounts of anabolic steroids in their testosterone booster. So if you are very money motivated and you sell a testosterone booster, what you could do is you could find a shady manufacturer <clears throat> or you find a manufacturer, you get your, your materials, your ingredients blended overseas and in China, they don't care. They'll do whatever you want. And then you have that blended material shipped to the United States where it can be bottled. So now you say that it's manufactured in the United States and you have a manufacturer that doesn't care to really know what's in it. As long as they can just check some boxes, whatever they'll blend it for you. They'll put it in capsules and you have a few useless herbs. Mm -hmm. And so you release that product and you use social media to get it out there and get people talking about it, right? Just gyms being what they are guys. And then guys start talking about, dude, I just got this anabolic gorilla test 9,000. And I that's feel probably so an actual name out there. Yeah, probably you can probably go to Amazon. And if it's not, then somebody's taking a note right now. Like, yeah. oh, it's a good one. Uh, and then what you do is you ride that wave of word of mouth to sell a lot of it. And you can either do that indefinitely, but what some companies have done is they've been a little bit smarter because you don't want to get caught. That's one thing. Yes, it's true that the supplement industry is not regulated in the way that the pharmaceutical industry is, but there are government agencies that are involved and there have been some pretty big scandals of drugs being put in products and those companies, people have gone to jail. It's not completely out of control as mm -hmm. maybe some people make it mm -hmm. seem. And so what you do then is <clears throat> you sell the product, you sell the product, you build it up to a certain level, then you take the drug out. And you keep selling it with no drugs in it. And eventually you'll see a decline in sales if this is the game you're playing, because you don't get that word of mouth effect. It doesn't have that virality, that, that kind of R factor, the viral factor that, the, that mm -hmm. the steroids have. But there are now are enough reviews online and you've built up enough momentum that you can ride that for a bit. And if the government ever comes looking and they test your product, which again, companies have been caught like USP labs has been caught putting nasty stuff in their products, mm -hmm. They're even still in business. But that's an example of they had Prozac in their fat loss product and they had a drug that was causing liver failure. Like it's bad. And so if the government comes and looks, it's clean. It's just clean. It's just some herbs yeah. and whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's an example of, so when you're buying any sort of hormone related product, you, unless you have a good reason to trust the company that you are buying it from, just know that there is a financial incentive to do exactly what I just said. And it's not hard to do. It's very easy.
Yeah. I get emailed all the time from Chinese manufacturers of various drugs. And that's what they're pitching me on. They're like, yeah. we can sell all these the anabolic drugs. We can work them into your supplements, blah, blah, blah. That's insane. Even amino spiking. I don't know how many people know what that is. Yeah. I was even unaware of the Prozac being put in. <laughs> hey, you can look that up. USP Labs, what was it? Oxy Elite, I believe was their fat loss oh, product. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. You can look that up. Yeah, I yeah. did hear about that. Yep. So they were putting, and I'm guessing they were either unsuccessful or no, they didn't even attempt product. to take it out, but they, they would put Prozac in their supplements. I think that's the kind of stuff that people aren't fully aware of. They know that the supplement industry is, like you said, a little wild west. Yep. They know people can get away with some things that they definitely shouldn't be, but the depth usually stops like right there. Yep. And I don't think people are aware of yeah, like specifically what, yeah, yeah. what is going on. Yeah, get to some and of the specifics and it gets Because I heard of the muscle farm conundrum and I didn't know there was others that went with that. But that's how I found out about the amino spiking. Kind of heard about the, I didn't know it was Prozac. I knew that it was <laughs> like damaging drugs. There were multiple drugs in that Oxy Elite product. Again, people can just search online and read about it. What other yeah. kind of small things like that have been very, very present that maybe yeah. just goes under the public radar? a report that came out some time ago, I believe a government agency in the state of New York was involved. It was years ago that I saw this, so I don't remember the exact details off the top of my head. However, the summary is government agency, I believe it was New York, got a bunch of supplements from like a Target CVS type store, right? Mm -hmm. Tested dozens of these and found that many of them did not have what they said that was even on the label. Mm -hmm. Like in some cases, products had none of what was on the label. I remember mm -hmm. two things because it's just funny that what they did find is asparagus and house plant. I remember those two, those are two ingredients that they actually found because they would test to see like, what is in this, right? A powdered asparagus and powdered house plant. Like that just stuck in my mind, like house plant, you know what I mean? And in other cases, the products had the ingredients, but in smaller doses. And so that's another example of easy way to make money instead of the NAC, which is expensive. Yeah. Put some house plant in it. There you go. Um, plant yeah. <laughs> you went from what would have cost like $8 a bottle to make. I'm just making that up. I don't know exactly to, I don't know, a dollar. There you go. Margins, margins. Yeah. Is that well, what you would do with like a proprietary blend? That's a good that's question. That's how you get away with that? Yeah, typically? that's a good question. I didn't go straight to proprietary blend probably because it still is a thing. Fortunately, it's less of a thing. It was very prevalent. I'm glad you brought that up because when I started Legion, that mattered more than it matters now. But having transparent formulations and no proprietary blends, a lot of companies do that now. But when I started Legion, very few companies were doing that. And that's something that a lot of consumers appreciated. They were not used to seeing a label that was just transparent, like yeah. citrulline malate, eight grams, you know, um, beta alanine. I think we started 4.2. And then now based on newer research, we were able to bring it down because it showed that I believe it's somewhere in the threes, three, five to three, eight is just as effective or around three is just as effective as 4.2, but you get less paresthesia, which some people don't like. So that people were like, well, that's different. And that's cool. I like that. I know what I'm actually buying and the proprietary blend. The problem with that is that and this is something that many people don't know. So you look at the muscle pump maximum matrix, whatever, right. And it has 17 ingredients in it. And you're like, again, if you are just an unsophisticated consumer, you look at that and you go, oh, 17 ingredients that, that that's probably a good thing. Right. Yeah. And that's like the kitchen sink marketing approach. Look at all of the stuff that's in this and you, when you look at 
let's say you're like, okay, so you're just curious. I wonder how much though of these ingredients are in there. You don't know. It just shows you the weight of the blend. Let's say it's three grams, right? And then what many people don't know is that the ingredients are listed by predominance by weight. So there's mm -hmm. the most of ingredient number one, the second most ingredient number two, third, three, and so forth. However, that blend could be 98% ingredient one, which might be something inexpensive. Like I remember one pre-workout, one of their blends, the first ingredient of the blend was maltodextrin, just a cheap corn derived carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. And then you had other stuff, creatine, all this other stuff in the blend, but consumers don't know is that entire blend. Let's say it weighed three grams again, like two point X grams of that could be just malto. And then you just have a milligram of <laughs> yep. the rest. It could be 16 ingredients. Oh, and they're all there. Red flag. A company uses a proprietary blend, move on because there is nothing truly proprietary in this industry. I could say many things, critical things about pharmaceutical companies, but let's say they spend $300 million doing truly proprietary research to develop a drug. Nobody else mm -hmm. has this drug. It took $300 million and three years of research to make this drug. That is truly proprietary information. They own it. Nobody else has it in the supplement space. Nobody is doing proprietary research, at least that I know of. And yeah. if anyone were like doing it seriously, I would know about it. It's something even that I would like to do. If there are ingredients that show promise that just don't have enough research to warrant their use, a pharmaceutical company will literally spend $100, $200, 300000000 million developing a drug. It wouldn't be that expensive in supplements, but it would be expensive to do truly proprietary research. And you can't make a strong business case for it, really. Is mm -hmm. it necessary? No, because ultimately what also will happen is you're spending money for your competitors benefit as well, because that research is going to be publicly available. You're going to spend the money. And in the case of a pharmaceutical company, I believe this is how it works. They get a patent for a certain period of time where only they can sell that drug to, to mm -hmm. recoup their investment. You could imagine if that weren't possible, it would discourage a lot of R and D spending because then yeah. the Pfizer spending all the money on the research and all the rest of them are like, thanks Pfizer. We'll take that too. And so it just, it doesn't happen in the supplement space. There is nothing truly proprietary. We are all working off of the same body of research that is accessible to everybody. So there is no valid reason to use a proprietary blend. You don't have some like exclusive insight into this exact combination of ingredients and doses. That's just not how it works. So I'm mm -hmm. glad you brought that up. That's another good red flag. Just move on. They're either dishonest or they don't know what they're doing. I'm totally fascinated by that because I'm actually shocked that you say, I guess I don't really see it much in supplements. It depends on the type because I've been seeing a lot more in greens powders since yeah. they've been very yep. popular on social media and yep. like one of the most popular banish, ones. Banish the bloat. Yeah. <laughs> so they're much. all proprietary blends and it's just always blown my mind that that's it, another really red flag product. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Specifically, it's the powdered fruits and vegetables type products. That's why they're green. So Legion has a greens and sometimes people have challenged me on that. It's a good question. However, if you mm -hmm. look at our formulation, it's only green because it has spirulina in it. And yeah. 
if you look at research, spirulina is awesome. There's a lot of research on it. It has a lot of benefits. It's really a cool ingredient. It's a cool molecule. And that's why the product is green. And it's mm -hmm. not a powdered fruits and vegetables product. It has reishi mushroom. It has maca. It has other things that a lot of people buy as individual ingredients, actually. Yeah. And there's good mm -hmm. evidence of efficacy. So it's funny, that product, I didn't really know what to call it because I'm like, what do you call this product? Well, <laughs> yeah. it's green. And some of these greens products actually do have some spirulina. There is some overlap. It just doesn't have the base of powdered fruits and vegetables. And that is bullshit. Those products are always bullshit, especially when they're sold as a replacement for eating fruits and vegetables. Complete bullshit. You cannot replace fruits and vegetables with powdered fruits and vegetables and get the same health benefits. And that's mm -hmm. why my product does not have powdered fruits and vegetables. I've worked on the sales pages many times over the years. I tried to, had to make them a bit shorter, but there was a time when I had like long form sales pages and I would explain, no, I, I don't want you to take this product instead of eating fruits and vegetables. You need to eat fruits and vegetables. This mm -hmm. is totally different. So another yeah. good red flag, like again, if they sell one of these proprietary blend greens, the pitch is get 22 servings of fruits and vegetables in every glass, complete mm -hmm. bullshit. That's how yeah. Athletic Greens started. Their claims were 100% along those lines. And they've moved away from that as they've gotten bigger. They have a lot of those types of products and it, they seem to be particularly popular with women. Yes. Uh, at least I see a lot of women promoting them. And a, mm -hmm. a lot of time it's in connection with gut health. That's gut yeah, health. Bloating. And, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do a whole episode on that with the green. Yeah. What is so strange to me now, especially when, with TikTok too, is even if you have kind of multiple voices and well-known voices in the kind of health and fitness space for being the more kind of exposing this, like you see it more often exposing the proprietary blends. Maybe the screens doesn't work, but the, it's almost like this cult-like following of certain products yeah. and it goes up and down with the trends, but people don't want to hear. It's kind of like, you can only do so much about a consumer's willingness to want to learn more. It blows my mind, but you <laughs> can't think about it too much. That. I feel like Athletic um, Greens has a big cult following. They've been around like for a while. <clears throat> I do explicitly remember, and anybody who wants to fact check me on it, actually, you can go to, you can go, you can pull up a web archive and go look at their website early on and look at the claims yeah. they were making. Yeah. I actually kind of want to write it in to do that. <laughs> that sounds lot. fun. It has, it has changed. Well, so. okay. So how do companies, and less on the proprietary blend, because it's like, that's not technically a lie. I guess what they're doing, they're still doing it. Not really a full truth. Uh, Tony is yeah. nice. You'll yeah, learn yeah. this. I'm here to balance I'm, it out. Tony is nice. I wouldn't say it's honest, but I'm saying at least maybe they could sell that as, okay, I'm not technically lying. I'm putting what I said in the product. What blows my mind and so many people is how legally is it able to happen? How can companies put things on the label mm -hmm. and not at all put them in the supplement? Or how can companies technically put it things is illegal? So how are they able to make that happen without immediate shady, shady manufacturers? Shady manufacturers. Yeah. Manufacturers, mm -hmm. it comes back to money. There are manufacturers, if you pay them, they'll do it. They don't care. I've had that happen to me inadvertently. So there was a, a time this manufacturer, I don't remember the name. I, I probably wouldn't say it, but I don't remember. This was years ago. They're based in New York and I wanted to get a backup manufacturer in place. This was early on. So we're just kind of putting things, systems in place. We wanted a backup for some of our pills, which is a good practice for anybody who has a supplement company. You do not want to have all of your business with one company. You might give most of your business or certain types of products to one company, and then certain types of products mostly go to another. But anyway, so 
this company was supposed to do my multivitamin triumph. That was the first thing I gave them. And I told them that I was going to be sending three bottles off to, I believe I was working with, but big third-party lab, right? Big organization. And I told the manufacturer, I'm going to send three of your bottles off to get tested. Just letting you know, to make sure that you are putting everything in it that is supposed to be there. And it, it can be hard to test for some of the ingredients that are in Triumph, like exact amounts. And also it can vary a little bit when you're dealing with certain types of herbs and that's fine. That's understand. That's everybody who works in the industry understands there's a little bit of wiggle room. That's always the case, right? But everything needs to be in there and it needs to be within this acceptable level of variance, I guess you could say. They did a few thousand bottles of it. I also had told them I'm not paying until I get the lab results back and they agreed mm -hmm. to that. Okay. And send it off to the lab and it came back mostly vitamin C. That's basically all it was just vitamin C. And their counter argument was the lab is wrong because their <laughs> internal, that's it, because their internal tests, tests that they run as a standard part of their manufacturing. And this is a manufacturer that had different certifications. It wasn't just like some fly by night operation and no, nope, no, nope, it was just mostly vitamin C. All right, guys, bye. The confidence so that they had going into it. That's what makes me laugh <laughs> the most. I guess they thought they would just call my bluff. Like this dude's not actually going to, because it, it was kind of expensive. I think it was a few thousand dollars to get those tests done, but it's not like it was $30,000. I don't know why they thought that either I wasn't going to do it or that maybe they thought that I was not bluffing, but I didn't actually care. I just had to pretend like I cared. I don't know. I never even asked them why I was just like, <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what to say. That's freaking yeah, I feel hilarious. Like that speaks to like what of their past experiences been like, if they were just so confident that I don't know. It would maybe be swept under the rug. I mean, they offered a good price. So maybe they thought yeah. that it wasn't too good to be true, but it was a good price. So mm -hmm. maybe they thought that that would be enough that like, this mm. dude actually, he sells supplements. He, of course, all he cares about is money. He's just pretending yeah. like he's going to get lab tests on whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay. So what do people listening to this, what should they look out for when shopping maybe on Amazon or at the local GNC, yep. how can they tell the difference between a product that's full of crap and a product that's not? So I've mentioned some things, these kind of red flags, look for these red flags and, and we could talk about Amazon briefly. So there are a, a lot of bullshit products on Amazon. As anybody who's looked around on Amazon knows, that is the easiest way to start an e-commerce business, at least yeah, the easiest that I know of is do it on Amazon, do it through their, I think they call it FBA fulfillment by Amazon, mm -hmm. yeah. right? You can get up to selling things pretty quickly. And fortunately they've made it harder to sell supplements. It used to be very easy. Now I believe they call it, I believe it's what's known as a gated. I think that's the term. It's harder to get into. At least this was true at least six months ago. I'm assuming it's still true. You can't just go and say, Hey, you have some you know, pills and powders and potions. Can I throw them in your warehouse and sell them? There's a little bit more of a process to it than that, but you still have a lot of people selling bullshit. So pe people still can get through the process. It just has maybe discouraged some people who are like unwilling to do even the most basic work to get in. Right. But so Amazon, I would say 
beware. Even personally, when I'm buying, there are certain even individual ingredients like vitamin D. Legion, we're actually going to be selling some individual ingredient supplements that people have asked for just because they want to add something specific to their regimen. So we mm -hmm. have vitamin C coming, we have supersomial magnesium coming, we have a few things coming that Ooh. they're not going to be major money makers, but customers want them. And yeah. I actually, I'll be using them myself too. When I go to buy something that I don't make, which is usually just an individual ingredient, I had some long COVID that I was dealing with. And so I got several of the natural supplements that have shown any sort of efficacy with COVID like NAC and quercetin and a few others. I try to stick to a couple of brands, Now Foods, and that's a company that's been around for a long time. I've seen a lot of independent Best results or I've seen over the years, they've been shared online. Even people can see that I, mm -hmm. I trust that now foods is not selling asparagus and house plant because they <laughs> passed tests and they're big enough to where it actually would just be very stupid for them to do that mm -hmm. because it'd be like Optum Nutrition. I've never seen any evidence that they have engaged in amino spiking. In fact, I've seen independent lab tests that showed that they were not. And that makes sense. If you're Optum Nutrition, you're doing a billion dollars a year in revenue, 80% of that is protein. Why would you risk that? Yeah. You could imagine mm -hmm. the controversy if there were an independent lab test that showed that your protein actually only contained half of the amount of protein. Why would you ever mm -hmm. risk that? Not that that's like a fail-proof rationale, but there is a logic to that. So similar to Now Foods, you can see people online who work at labs who have tested products. And again, they're a big company and from things on the inside of the industry, I trust them. So I will go to them. Jero is another J-A-R-R-O-W is another brand that is relatively inexpensive. They've been around for a long time. Smart people in this space who know a lot about it have vouched for them. So I'll look for them. And there are a few others. I generally go to now, now sells almost everything. And between mm -hmm. now and Jero that can cover most needs. And so I personally. I stay away from Amazon brands and Amazon brands, mm. again, are just businesses. If you were to search them online, they probably don't even have a website. If they do, you, there's no real activity on the website. Maybe it just sends you to Amazon and mm -hmm. I avoid Amazon brands generally, unless it's something I really don't care about at all. I don't know if it's something I, that really doesn't matter, like a tripod, good example, little tripod for my phone that I use in the gym. Okay, I mm -hmm. do not care that it's just some Chinese manufacturer that is selling their stuff on Amazon. The brand means nothing. With supplements though, I would say avoid Amazon brands, period. Does that mean mm -hmm. that you are going to end up passing over legitimate products? Yeah, of course. But you can get the same products from brands that you know, or at least this is how I think about it, that I trust. There are things that I have not bought simply because I didn't care that much and there was no brand that I trusted. In the supplement game, a big company doesn't necessarily mean more trustworthy, but it's certainly more trustworthy than a random Amazon brand. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> just to speak to Amazon, some people might find this interesting. So what about an Amazon brand that has a ton of reviews? Look at this product that has 15,000 reviews and a five-star average. That's reviews. That's not just purchases. How can, mm -hmm. how can that be a loser? What many people don't know is that while a lot of reviews are legitimate on Amazon, a lot of reviews are not legitimate on Amazon, especially when there's a lot of money to be made. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm going to explain, it doesn't happen in the book space. I sell a lot of books on Amazon, but there's no money. People don't write books to make money. I've sold 
over 2 million books now. So I've made money from books, but that's not normal, right? So, mm -hmm. so the economics are not there to engage in the level of fraud that we see in the supplement space. What am I talking about? It starts with at a low level, using friends and family and connections to just get reviews. And then you get into certain sellers who are recruiting people off of Craigslist and paying them to buy the product and leave reviews. Higher levels, there, there are networks. So you have a mixture of people who are recruited, bots, and just fake accounts run by individuals. What you do is you use all of this to drive thousands and thousands of fraudulent, of fake, but Amazon doesn't know that purchases to your products. And of course you also use that for reviews. So as you're recruiting people, you're getting reviews as you're bringing new bots online, you're getting reviews. These people are very meticulous about managing. There's a lot of detail that goes into how you manage all of that to not get caught. But what I don't want is at some point, Amazon might crack down on this. They have not updated their TOS. If they just, if Amazon themselves threw in the towel and said, all right, fine. And they just removed it from their TOS. And they're like, everybody can do that. That's fine. Then I would do it because there's nothing inherently wrong with incentivizing somebody to leave you a review. You hope it's a good review. Some of these companies try to be really like heavy handed about getting that five-star review. And, I, and it's a bit much for me, but fundamentally, I don't think there's anything unethical in a vacuum about incentivizing somebody to leave a review because how many things have we bought that we like that we didn't leave a review on because we just don't really care to. The best we're going to do is leave it a rating. They're not going to get a review out of us. But if there was a little bit of something in it for us, maybe we would take a few minutes to just share what we like about the product because they could manage a system like that themselves and do it right and help sellers out. But, but they have a million things to, to address. I find that interesting with the whole, the craze that is the Amazon storefront for influencers yep. because it's benefiting these influencers so much and letting the brands stay out of it. But especially with supplements, you'll see so many supplements that are listed on Amazon storefront. And now you have this second level with influencers of, well, if I trust the influencer, I'm going yes. to buy this, yep. not I'm going to do another layer of looking into the supplement brand because I trust this influencer. And yeah, especially and if said that influencer that is pretty the, and blonde. The green and... drink <laughs> got rid of her belly bloat. And yeah, because at that point, let's say you've been following somebody and you resonate with their personality, you like them, and then they're promoting a green drink. And if you were to look into it, then really where that goes is you're going to have to stop following them. I'm not saying this is the way people should think, but this is what happens, right? It's like, it becomes a little bit of kind of a part of their identity in a sense. They just don't want to give it up. They don't want to give up this yeah. connection. And then also maybe admit that they were wrong. Like, oh no, this person is actually just a shill and I couldn't see that. And what does that say about me? I do understand that psychology. It's almost like you have to derive a perverse kind of a enjoyment of, of like self-immolation, basically. You have to be willing to break parts of your identity off. It's just a thought that's stuck in my head that the, the less willing you are to give up who you think you are, the harder life is. I think we agree. I've seen that a lot with people, especially for some reason, it's common with the, what's it, Kangen water folk. That uh, I see jumping on that train early and just never let go. Is that still a thing? Like, is that actually? It's, it's still a very much a big so thing. It's always it's something that people thing. do it's not let go of. And you can tell Your water is dehydrating it. you. That's yep. my favorite one. It really, yep. 
Yeah, dehydrating water. Yeah, <laughs> stuff will get you. Now, okay, so hydration wanna... supplement, another red flag, something that I yeah. do not that I do not sell, and I get asked for it. There's a big market for electrolytes, and this is even a better example than BCAAs if we're talking about making a product to make money, because BCAAs now, if you're willing to look into it, there's a lot, a lot of let's say mainstream in the evidence-based fitness space information against BCAs. You don't have to look that far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, electrolytes are a newer thing. They've been around for a long time, obviously, but in the supplement space, there's now an electrolyte kind of hydration craze and mm -hmm. getting asked a lot. Hey, what about, cause we regularly survey our customers just asking them, Hey, basically what would you like us to make? How interested are you in certain things or just open-ended? What do you wish that, that we sold? We have a question like that in our post-purchase survey, for example, and it's, that's a great source of information. And so electrolytes, hydration, popping up, popping up, popping up. Okay. Start looking into research, start talking with a few people who are smarter than me, know more stuff about this PhDs, professors who help with formulation and in asking about hydration, electrolyte, what does the research say for people listening who want to read about it in detail. If you head over to legionathletics.com and you search for, search for electrolyte hydration, just put those two words and it should come up. I don't remember the exact title. And in the end, that was my conclusion. And that also independently was the conclusion of, again, people who know a lot more about this stuff, including one or two researchers who have dived deep into the research on electrolyte supplementation and Unfortunately for the business, it was just clear to me that you really can't make a truly evidence-based argument. What does that mean for the majority of my customers, which are just normal people? They're in the gym a few hours per week. They probably do a little bit of cardio or walking in addition to that. It will never be of any use whatsoever to those people. So that's another red flag. If a company's selling an electrolyte hydration supplement, very high margins, these are cheap minerals and they either so expensive, very yeah. expensive, crazy margins. That's why, yeah. that's why yeah. it, it, it's as popular as it is because those crazy margins allow for crazy marketing spend. Legion spends about 15% of its revenue on marketing, which is, mm -hmm. I think it's actually under that. I think it's around 14% right now, which is relatively low actually. And we're able to do well with less than that because yeah. of a lot of other things that we do well that are harder to do than just spend money on ads. If you just work, if you can spend a lot on marketing, you can work with a good marketing agency, good marketers, and they're driven solely by making you money. Like the, mm -hmm. generally speaking, marketers, marketing agencies do not care what is true, what is not true. They care about what is legal and illegal. But beyond yeah. that, it's simply, it's like a puzzle of, all right, what words and ideas do we need to put together to make people buy? And mm -hmm. that's it. There are no other considerations, right? And yeah. you can have a trend accelerate rapidly because of tons of marketing spend, tons of advertising. Everyone's hearing about it. Everyone's seeing it, paying influencers, big influencers, lots of money and there you go. Then there's a market, a thriving market for more bullshit. I am blown away sometimes. I'll be listening to some of my favorite podcasters and I hear multiple of them with the same product that they're selling. I'm like, how on earth do these companies 
have the money for these people to say that. And then how on earth are these people saying that about this product? It's the curse of knowledge. Then I start to second guess, like, why am I listening to this person in the first place? If more people went down that rabbit hole, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place. Yeah, but... and it's, un it's unfortunate. And that's something for people out there who maybe are influencers to one degree or another. Vet your sponsors. Have answers to maybe hard questions that, that you'd be asked by a more informed reader or follower or listener. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be wrong about things, but it's mm -hmm. not okay to be wrong because you didn't even do any due diligence. That's not okay. Let's take electrolytes. The, I only recently really looked into this, but there probably was a point when you actually could say the weight of the evidence was positive, that it actually leaned toward effective, even if it didn't quite make mechanistic sense. And there still were smart people out there pointing that out saying, yeah, that's fine. You can say that the weight of the evidence says that this is good, but I'm still not convinced because mechanistically it just doesn't make sense. And then they're derided until eventually the weight of the evidence shifts. And so it's okay at one point to promote BCAAs. If at that time you're like, look, I actually did do due diligence. Let me show you the mm -hmm. research I was looking at. This is the best that I had at the time, but now I have changed my mind because enough evidence has come to the contrary that the weight of the evidence shifted. There's nothing wrong with that. And people will appreciate that. That's inherent in even the scientific method, right? If somebody can't yeah. ever say that they're wrong, that's another meta skill is being able to say, yeah, yeah, I was wrong. Maybe that's too painful. Okay. Then look at it as being more right. I've had people ask me like, Hey, what did you change your mind on? What were you wrong about? There are quite a few things I can say though, that I wasn't wrong just because of negligence. I had a, a, a better excuse than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that just comes from, I think like learning about anything that you start putting more time yeah. into educators, people who are growing a business in a certain niche, you're supposed to be wrong because if you're not, then what are you learning? How are you evolving? Exactly. So. Hopefully, um, we're wrong about more peripheral elements of this activity and hopefully the fundamentals we can be really right about because those are the things that, that matter the most and mm -hmm. it being wrong about a supplement is very different than being wrong about energy balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I do want to ask a couple of questions that I know some people really want to know that are a little sure. less fun. I think they're fun, but not as <laughs> mind blowing as some of the stuff that we just talked about. What supplements you take right now and then what your individual approach is towards deciding on what supplements you take. Yeah. at a certain time. I take basically everything that I make, not because it's necessary. It's just because it's my own stuff. It's not that I would be telling people just buy all of my stuff. I will say that the products that we offer, each one of them has been developed as a standalone product, but also in the context of everything that we offer in the assumption that there are people who are going to take quite a few of our products. And so if we mm -hmm. didn't do that, there actually could be scenarios where let's say we had like citicoline or some sort of, some source of choline. Maybe it's also alpha GPC. There are a few of these, mm -hmm. these ingredients that if we had them in certain amounts in enough products and somebody were taking all of those products, they might get headaches. So you have to think about those things as well. Again, assuming that certain people are, they're going to naturally combine certain products, or they're just going to say, I love Legion. I love all of this stuff. The money is 
not a concern to me and I'm going to take everything. If we look at, why don't we talk about like the 20% of supplements that give 80% because I know people, they love to know, okay, what do you eat in a day? How do you train? Like the details, mm -hmm. get it. But the answer of, I, I take all of my stuff isn't like a yeah. great recommendation necessarily. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not entirely necessary. The few things mm -hmm. though, that let's say I feel most strongly about and that I would not drop, let's say I didn't have a supplement company and I was buying somebody else's stuff and I wanted to mm -hmm. watch how much money I'm spending on this stuff. So a protein powder, because it's convenient, that's the main reason why it's also a good source of protein, but mostly it's convenient. I would much rather make a shake than eat another hunk of chicken or fish or, you know, eat some more yogurt. It is just convenient. So protein powder is great for that reason. I like whey protein and I also like our plant protein. So legions, it's a combination of rice and pea protein. And I actually like to combine them just because I like the combination of flavors and textures. And something I'll say is a little tip for people. Whey protein is obviously great. However, it's not very filling. And so therefore, like if you're lean bulking, whey protein can help with minimizing satiety, which mm -hmm. becomes a problem when you're lean bulking. There's a point where you just get sick of eating and you're always yeah. full. It's just gross. It gets to yeah. be gross. <laughs> you're having the opposite problems when you're cutting and you're like, how do I get my calories in without <laughs> just feeling like my food is up to here all day? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. However, when you're cutting, it's not that way is bad, but it's not going to be as filling as something that is a little bit more gelatinous, the pea protein in particular, that has that consistency, that viscous consistency. But mm. ours is a combination of pea and rice just because they have complementary amino acid profiles. They, when you put them together, they look a lot like whey, although evidence suggests that whey actually still might be a bit more anabolic, so to speak. But casein is also has that pudding type of consistency to it. Whereas whey, you know, if you mix it with a small amount of water, let's say half a cup of water, even one scoop away, it still mixes and you still can drink it down. You do that with the plant protein or you do that with casein, it, it, it's going to make like a ball. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that yeah. actually though is more filling. And so for mm -hmm. people, just something for people to think about, they can change their source of protein based on what their appetite is like, based on mostly what they're doing with their diet. And so that's one. Fish oil is another, just a source of omega-3 fatty acids because I don't, I don't dislike fish, but if you look at how much fish you need to eat, you can maintain a basic level of sufficiency. I believe five to 600 milligrams of omega-3s per day is okay for that purpose, but there are some additional benefits related to anti-inflammatory effects, particularly in the joints as well. It's been showed you have to get to probably three to four, maybe even five grams of combined minimally three omega-3s per day, EPA, DHA. And you look at how much fish do you need to eat to get there? Okay. I don't like fish that much. And also what <laughs> fish do you need to eat without running into the problems related to pollutants An evidence-based solution? I don't know of any downside is to take an omega-3 supplement. You can take krill oil. I don't sell krill oil because there are no benefits compared to fish oil and it's just more expensive. So why bother basically? So that's why I sell a fish oil and mm -hmm. I take one. So I think that's another supplement that is worth considering. A good multivitamin is also worth considering, even if you eat well. And the reason for that is if you want to optimize your health, it's difficult to get enough of certain key nutrients through your diet alone. So even think about vitamin K, K1, K2, and 
unless you eat a lot of kale or seaweed, it's going to be hard to get all of the benefit that vitamin K, all the benefits that vitamin K can provide. Can you maintain a basic level of sufficiency if you're willing to micromanage your diet a little bit? Yes. But again, are you going to get some of the benefits that are seen in higher doses? No, you're just not going to get enough. Vitamin mm -hmm. D, of course, is another obvious example. Can you get enough vitamin D through being out in the sun? Yes, theoretically, but I've looked at research on this and you need to be out in the sun with most of your skin exposed for, I believe it was around 10 minutes. And this was Florida sun as well that they were looking at. Yeah. I think it was about 10 minutes or so, give or take a couple of minutes with about 70% of your skin exposed basically every day. If you live in Florida, you can do that. And that's not enough sun exposure. I don't know of any reason why that would cause any health concerns. Getting sunburns is a bad idea. That explicitly is associated with skin cancer, but being out in the sun doesn't equal getting skin cancer. Uh, many women don't like to, my wife doesn't particularly like to go out in the sun because she doesn't want to age faster than she's aging. That's also something that keeps some people out of the sun. So supplementing with vitamin D makes sense. A good multivitamin will have vitamin D in it. I have a question there yeah, that yeah. I want to mm -hmm. ask. I typically am like multivitamin, not sure if it's necessary. Mm -hmm. If you know what you may be deficient in or have low levels of, I guess this is more like kind of opinion based, but if someone did have access to a blood test and did mm -hmm. know that, yeah, my vitamin D levels are lower, maybe my vitamin B12, vitamin K, yep. would you recommend that they supplement with that individual supplement or is a multivitamin, again, it depends on the brand, yep. always enough to cover the, that basis if they're using a bunch of different vitamins, minerals within a supplement? Yeah, that's a good question. It really depends on the product. You stay away from the one-a-days. You're just not going to have enough good stuff in one little tablet. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also possible that the hard-pressed tablets are not can be partially digested, can come out of you, a third of it is still there, right? Um, mm -hmm. that, that's more anecdotal, but it, it is possible that that happens. I don't know of any rigorous scientific research on that, but there is some anecdotal evidence to support that. So generally speaking, capsules are going to be better, more than one per day. It doesn't have to be many per day, like Triumph is recommended. Many people, they do a half of a dose and which is better than nothing, but I still would recommend the full. And it's just over the years I've had people go back and forth, even customers like, okay, so the recommended is it's six or eight pills a day split up. You do half of them with breakfast, ideally, and then half of them with dinner and to have hours in between each. So your body can fully process. Cause also what can happen is if you take even a good dose of certain vitamins and minerals and other, um, certain molecules, if you, or substances, if you take them, in one go, your body, it's actually more than your body needs or can process mm -hmm. in one sitting, you'll end up peeing a certain amount of it out. So if yeah. you can you know, split it up and give your body half of what it needs at one time, it'll better process and actually use what you're giving it and then give it the other half. Yes. Theoretically, you could get a blood test and you could get very specific, maybe as a woman, okay, your iron is not looking so great. We're going to want to supplement with that. That's common with women. And mm -hmm. many women also, for example, they don't eat a lot of meat just because they don't like it. And so maybe they're going to be low in zinc, maybe B12 and some of these things, vitamin K is often depending on how they eat vitamin D, even vitamin A can be an issue because even if somebody eats, some people have genetic 
I guess you'd say like permutations or mutations that block their ability to con to convert the carotenoids, uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the pre-vitamin A molecules, like in fruits and, um, and, and plant foods into retinol, into what the body can actually use. And so those people can benefit from supplementing with uh, retinol, which you don't mm -hmm. want to take too much of, but you know, you can learn some of these things if you want to do some, some blood work. And if you really want to go further, you can get some gene testing done to really yeah. understand like what your body does well with and what it doesn't do well with just in terms of, um, of, of processing the food that you eat mm. or, and, or you could just take a well-formulated multivitamin as a kind of insurance policy of sorts to plug any nutritional holes that um, may or may not be present. And, and, and then they're also one other argument for taking a high quality multivitamin is that there are certain molecules like vitamin B12 is a good example that uh, have been shown to provide benefits at doses that you will just never get from food. You just can't get yeah. there period. And, mm -hmm. and so a, a well-formulated multivitamin will also have a few of those in amounts that are much higher than the RDI, which might look weird to a consumer. Like why is there 600% of, uh, chromium or, or B12 or whatever. And, and that that's why, uh, or at least, well, in the case of my multivitamin, that's why. And, and we even explained that, uh, you know, at one time, again, Triumph had a very long form sales page where, uh, it was, I thought it was kind of cool. And some, some customers saw it, thought it was kind of cool, but when we installed software that would show us how far do people scroll down sales pages, we realized that most people don't care. They don't, they're not, they're not reading all of my words, but, uh, we had every, every vitamin and mineral an explanation of what it is, uh, what was, how much was in our product, uh, why that amount. And so we had some, you know, we're like, okay, why is there so much vitamin B12 in your multivitamin? Oh, well, here's why here's the research. And, mm -hmm. and then in addition to that, a well-formulated multivitamin will, it'll have some additional goodies, some things that people often buy and supplement with, um, separately, like CoQ10 is a good example that a lot of people probably have heard of and have heard mm -hmm. good things about, um, maybe PQQ is one that people have heard about. And so some of these things, PQQ, I would love to use. It's just so damn expensive. It's on my list. Hopefully <laughs> if the product, if the, if the price comes down at some point, I would love to stuff it in there. It's just absurdly expensive right now. Mm -hmm. um, but, but a good, a good multivitamin will not just be, I'd say good by my standard. Like this is why I made one this way. Cause this is what I would expect because, um, if it's just vitamins and minerals, even if it's well formulated and, uh, everything I've said regarding vitamins and minerals has been, um, taken into account in the formulation, it's not an expensive product period. And so many supplement companies, something that, um, people listening may, may find helpful is that generally speaking, their powders are not loss leaders, but they're not very profitable. And they're, they're the popular products that bring people in the protein powders, the pre-workouts, the post-workouts, the green supplements, the intra workouts, BCAAs powders are popular and mm -hmm. they get a lot of people in the door and they get a lot of new customers. And then the pills are meant to be the profit center of the business. That's, that's how mm -hmm. these businesses are often set up. So these days you will have companies that are willing to spend more than maybe companies did in the past on their powders. Their profit margins are not great on their powders, but then they make up for it 
by having great margins on their pills. And that often means that their pills are uh, underpowered, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like, like uh, I, one of my manufacturers accidentally emailed, they thought they were emailing a competitor of mine, which is fine. <laughs> they all work, you know, they, they make products for whoever. Um, and it was, a, it was regarding their multivitamin and it was an email chain. Uh, they wanted to, to change their multivitamin. And they, I remember this, they, they specified, my competitor specified the budget was $5 a bottle. $5 a bottle. And they were selling this for like 40 to $50. Right. And triumph. I actually, I don't know the, I haven't, I haven't gotten like the most recent cost. The last cost that I got on mine was fifth. It cost me 15 to $17 a bottle to get one to somebody. And, um, so like $5 <laughs> multivitamin, you know, gets you the vitamins and minerals. That's it. 15 to $17 multivitamin gets you the vitamins and minerals, some extras like K2 and some other things that were not in the other plus six or seven additional goodies. I guess you could say that, um, again, none of it is quote unquote necessary, but these are, uh, ingredients with good evidence of efficacy. And in the case of a good multivitamin, there's usually there's usually kind of like a theme to the ingredients. We're talking about health here. Um, it says th this is not a performance product per se, although sometimes ingredients do have some performance related benefits, but primarily it's health. And so then what are we looking at? Okay. What's, what's the number one health problem out there? It's things related to heart disease. Okay. So how do we support the cardiovascular system? How do we support metabolism? And mm -hmm. there are supplements that you can take that, that just help with those things. And so that's my long-winded pitch for a multivitamin. Not again, not necessary, but it deserves consideration for those reasons. Yeah. And we talked about vitamin D sometimes is talked about separately, but it should be in a good multivitamin. Speaking about blood work, some people, so there's 2000 IU in each serving of my multivitamin, and that is a good evidence-based kind of one size fits all dose. Some people do need more than that to reach the range of the molecule that vitamin D breaks down to in the body that you can test for. And the only way to really know that is to get blood tested. It's probably not necessary for most people, but if you were to look at some symptoms of inadequate vitamin D, and if you're checking some of those boxes, it could be worth, you know, at a certain age, it makes sense to get blood work done at least once a year. But I think generally speaking, I think that's like 40 plus. I'm 38 and I've never gotten blood work done because I've never taken steroids. That, that, that's a red flag. When someone, <laughs> when a jacked dude is getting blood work semi-recent, like semi-regularly, that's a red flag. And I've never had any health issues. Although the doctor, that's the standard recommendation at 40, you start doing these regular checkups. It's just a smart thing to do. Of course, yeah. you would never want to get news that you have cancer that's developing somewhere, mm -hmm. but because we found it now, it can be a problem, but not a deadly problem. Yeah. Dang, that actually sounds kind of interesting. It's not that that's what we should necessarily be thinking about, but that's just a reality yeah. that you just yeah. know that you have a good baseline. Everything's looking good. I freaking love it, but that was awesome. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fitness Stuff for Normal People. 
As always, you know where to find us, fs.pod on Instagram and TikTok, and fitness stuff for normal people on YouTube. For more evidence-based content from Tony and I, make sure to check out our research review available on Fitness Stuff Premium every Friday, linked in the show notes below. We hope this major Monday stuck a little bit less in the fitness industry, a little bit more bearable. We'll see you guys next week.